Tone Deaf is the journey of a theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. This show is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. I'm sorry for me. Spoilers are in every episode, so if you haven't seen the show we are reviewing, you can always check back in later with us. We'll be here when you get back. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged. Alright Warren, so we are on to another head-to-head this week, this time with Hairspray, but it's less of a smackdown because I think my voice would die if I did that voice again with all the smoke in the valley, so... I was just about to say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, what the hell though, too, with all this damn smoke? Fucking Christ. Anyway, wow, we're not even a minute in and I'm just dropping F-bombs. The world is burning. I was up really late getting the script finished for this episode, so I'm a little punchy. (laughs) We didn't start the fire, but it was up in Parley's and folks got trapped in their Harleys. And? Because they shut down I-80 for a long time in both directions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. this is... I don't like this summer at all. Anyway, so um, we're going to be doing two episodes that are going to compare and contrast two versions of one of my favorite musicals, both to be in and to watch. And, of course, the musical, as I said, is Hairspray. Now, <laughs> what do you know about Hairspray? Um, it comes in a variety, light hold, strong hold, um... You know, they, they I, I used to use it when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I haven't really used it in a lot of, in a number of years. I don't really use product in my hair anymore. Um, what do you know about the musical, babe? Oh, uh, <laughs> John Travolta is in drag. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Okay. Well, that'll be in the second version that we watch. Um, the first one that we're going to be watching is a is the NBC Live version. And we'll get into that one in a bit. But... Uh, Hairspray the Musical is actually based on the 1988 John Waters film, Hairspray, which was, like, his only PG-rated film. (laughs) Um, it was very much not his film style, and, uh, for a bonus episode, I do want to do a dive into him, especially because of, we'll also get to eventually cover Crybaby, which is a musical that he wrote and directed that was adapted to stage later. Um, the original Hairspray film, however, was not a musical, which is why I hesitated to do it for the show proper. Uh, it's very, it's very close to what we're going to be seeing, but again, what we're going to be seeing is a musical. Hairspray was not. It was his most, uh, commercially acceptable movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Was he a weird indie director? He was... So his movies are cult classics, specifically queer cult classics. Like, uh, you're going to find Divine in his movies a lot. 
Divine was a drag queen. Oh. That was just fantastic. Um, and uh, he he was a gay man who uh, got really, like, his character was this racy, uh, raunchy, heavy set woman was his character divine and um is that who john travolta well so he doesn't play divine but he plays who divine played in hairspray okay and uh in hairspray we do have a lot of notable cast members in the original film we have ricky lake as tracy turnblad who's the main character uh like i mentioned divine uh who has been in a lot of john waters other films was her mother edna uh, we have Jerry Stiller as Tracy's father, Wilbur, Debbie Harry, uh, who was the lead singer of Blondie. Do you know who Blondie was? No. Rapture? Like, is it happening now? The, no, no, no. The song Rapture. You know. Toe to toe, dancing very close, barely breathing. Almost comatose. I don't think so. Fab Five Freddy told me everybody's fly. DJ is spinning. I said, my, my. Flash is fast. Flash is cool. Francois said, pa, Flash ain't no dude. And you don't stop. Sure shot. Go out to the parking lot. You don't know that song? I have no brain cells communicating. Oh, that that sounds anywhere familiar. I just my my the people in my head ran a search through my internal database and they came up with nothing. I have failed once again. Okay. No, you have not <laughs> failed. I am just broken. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Debbie Harry's in it. She plays Velma Von Tussel, who's one of the antagonists, and Sony Sonny Bono. You know who Sonny Bono is, right? <laughs> yes and no. It's complicated because... I, I, I know the name, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I can think of a face or, like, anything that they've done. But uh, I know the name. Sonny and Cher. See, that's what I, that's, like, what I know. Or, for our generation, uh, ran into a tree skiing up ah, in... Ah, okay, yeah, that's, that's, that's why, that's, that's why. That's probably where you remember. So, see, and that's... <laughs> and the, then my raised that, in the wrong years ass. <sighs> See, that is the thing with me, is that uh, I learn, I my brain is an Etch-A-Sketch. I am <laughs> always learning the same thing over and over again, because my brain is too busy recounting old Pokemon knowledge and Dragon Ball Z <laughs> and what other obscure shit that occupies all my neurons. And so... That there's no room for stuff about Sunny and bon- Sunny Bono. That's Be- okay. It's just it 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 goes in, it takes a look around, and then it leaves. Like that's what it does. <laughs> All this new information just comes into my brain, goes, "Oh, it's dark in here," and then it leaves. It doesn't want to stay because the party is weird. The party's over. It's time to call it a day. You don't all have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> there are two kinds of people. <laughs> so, um, anyway, he's Franklin Von Tussle, who's not in Hairspray the Musical. Um, 
The stage version comes about after Broadway producer producer Margot Lyon, who might also be fun to cover someday because she it, produced a lot of shows. Is a producer an Italian producer? Hey, I'm a producer. Produso is a K was up way too late writing this script and getting progressively angry. It's a me, Produso. is running on very little sleep. <laughs> we are both on our second cup of coffee. Yes, yes we are. Margot Lyon saw Hairspray on TV, and uh, Hairspray is set in early 1960s Baltimore, which is where Margot was born, so of course there's a resonance there. And now we're going to get into the quote-unquote fun fact section of the show. Wah, wah, wah! Wah. Ooh. Uh, the show, within a show uh, for Hairspray that's kind of the big set piece for the show, I guess, is the Corny Collins show. That was based on the local Baltimore show, The Buddy Dean Show, which was kind of a rival to Dick Clark's American Bandstand, both of which were white as hell. But American Bandstand was blacked out on the ABC affiliate in Baltimore, so that's why a John Waters, a young John Waters got into this show and not American Bandstand. And what are the Buddy Dean Show and American Bandstand? I hear you ask. (laughs) (laughs) Get out of my head. It's a little creepy. So back in the late 50s and 60s, rock and roll, or late 50s, early 60s, rock and roll is gaining ground in the mainstream. So naturally, TV wants to reach the audience most interested in it, which is teenagers. And we could go into a whole thing about how the baby boom kind of led to the marketing for teenagers and all that shit, but we're not going to. That's not what this show is about. And I'm only going to be doing a touching on this with a lot of using quotes from articles because I was getting progressively angry as I was researching this. So are you good touching or bad touching? I'm angry touching. Angry touching. I think that might be called assault. (laughs) It's called punching. (laughs) Some slapping. You don't slap somebody with a knife. It's called stabbing. (laughs) So, and a lot of this stuff I knew already, again, because of said being raised by my mom and grandparents. But some of it, I didn't know just how bad it was. And by bad, I mean bad for people who look like me. Not bad for people who look on this show on American Bandstand and Buddy Dean and shows like that with a lot of nostalgia. Because for white teens, this was great. For black teens, this was not. And that's going to be a big part of Hairspray. So, like I said, shows like American Bandstand were created with these long blocks of teens dancing to the latest hits and showing off the latest dance moves. <laughs> this sounds like a, a weird, old-timey version of Kids Bob. <laughs> a little bit. This is kind of... This is where that sort of stuff starts, because you're not getting entertainment marketing towards this age group before the 50s and 60s. Mm. 
And so now there's this age group that isn't going to be working in farms because we have urban environments. You've got this age group that needs to be kept out of quote unquote trouble. Keep them in front of the TV dancing. And so this was like a big fucking deal. Like think about if, if America's got talent was more of a like two hour block of just, Hey, here's the latest dance moves, stuff like that. Cause we don't get that much anymore because of the way that media has gone. Uh, but back in the fifties and sixties, this was a big fucking deal. Actually, Better, better thing to connect it to TikTok dancing. <laughs> that is the evolution. That is where this went, hmm. complete with stealing dance moves from black people. Now there you go. <laughs> uh, so, uh, as somebody who's never stolen dance moves from black people, uh, <laughs> what era of history do you think uh, I could slip into with the white boy shuffle and be considered uh, uh, ahead of my time or like right on the cultural pulse? <laughs> the, the face you're making is just so good. I because I want to say that the face you're go you're you're giving me is honey. No matter what time era we send you to, there's people doing better dances than the white boy shuffle. The white boy shuffle is your default defense mechanism when you feel the groove take you and your body must move, but you know that you can't dance, but the music flows through you. Oh my god. So god. Do the white boy shuffle. Do the white boy shuffle. I've got my coffee in my hand. Gonna take another sip so I can have higher brain functions. <laughs> Thank you for providing levity because I need it. Because <laughs> so as I'm saying, the this is really popular in the 50s and 60s when TV is hella segregated. Especially with things like dancing and anything Whoa. that could promote the idea of interracial relationships and dating. Well, I mean, of course TV is very segregated. It is black and white. Jesus Christ. What? But, um, <laughs> fucking hell. So. My God. So, um. One thing that someone would want to say is, oh, well, that's not an issue after the 50s and 60s, but A, you've experienced the nastiness uh -huh. having been with me. Oh, when people say that, oh, god damn, so that is, oh. You're allowed to go Ooh. off. It's not Black History when Month. When people say stupid shit like racism doesn't exist anymore or the civil rights, like whenever people want to willfully pretend like there isn't racism anymore or that it's not a big deal mm -hmm. everything i think of is well you're white you have never you have never seen the repercussions of it mm -hmm. and it's it's a fault of like well privilege it's absolutely a privilege issue and i am speaking from personal experience because mm -hmm. i also used to have that mindset i've known very few black people in my life because Utah's demographics are what one percent black. Mm -hmm. One point one percent as of twenty twenty census. My, I had a complete shock when I started dating you, mm -hmm. and just the shit I started seeing. Mm -hmm. It was like really, like what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Uh, yes, yeah. but uh, but and yeah, and so. and the thing is too is that when I was doing theater as a teen, and I've told you this off mic a few times and kind of hinted at it, but I feel like I can kind of go into it a little bit deeper with this episode. I was never in any scenes of shows where it could look like I was dating a white person. Because misogyny is bad. Exactly. Like, can't well, have that sweet, wonderful swirl action. <laughs> when when you're a preteen and elementary kid doing theater, you don't get it as much because you're a baby, and the possibility of you actually dating a white kid isn't as scary because baby. Like, I think about when I was with this theater school that was in Utah from in the late mid to late nineties, early two thousands. And I was able to do shows with them where I was like Snow White. I was Juliet at Shakespeare Festival when we went down there. And that was safe because I was 10, 11, 12. I was prepubescent. As soon as you turn 14, it's suddenly... Oh, well, she could actually be fucking. Yeah, yeah. As soon as I turned 14 and started looking like a teenager and haven't stopped, my (laughs) options in theater became very limited. I will never, ever forget my experiences in Broadway Kids, not the famous one, the local one that I'm pretty sure was not completely legally licensed. <laughs> and It's only illegal if you get busted. Yeah, and Footloose at the same theater where I was Dorothy in Wizard of Oz. That same theater where I had this experience that I don't think I would have ever had again had it not been for that director... I, it was, it was kind of a shock because I, I had that and then it's like Footloose, I'm in scenes with adults and I don't get to be in scenes with other teens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, it, I, I, it was, it was so jarring for me and it was the same thing as well with this Broadway kids show and I did that multiple times because it was getting that theater itch and it was so disheartening to not be able to be in as much of the show because of race Mm -hmm. even when i was in numbers as innocent as singing ebony and ivory which was a choice (laughs) on their part but hey at least they let me have a solo and do a duet with this uh other girl who had the same name as me um, which was really interesting. <laughs> we weren't allowed to leave the stage holding hands or linking arms. Yeah, you have, you were both you left opposite sides of yes. the of the of the stage, mm-hmm. and... which just completely undercuts everything mm-hmm. about what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, the, the fact that that you can't you can't have the harmonious moment of leaving together to be mm-hmm. like we're friends, everything's mm-hmm. cool. It's like. Yay, peace. Now, don't you two touch. Yeah. You, you, you two go your opposite. Keep the races separate. Yeah, and looking back on choices that they made, like casting with me in shows that weren't Wizard of Oz, it was not a gay thing. It was completely a race thing. Because you could have girls holding hands on stage and it wasn't considered gay, but as soon as it was us... That wasn't okay, and realizing that made kind of fucked me up a little bit, because and 
It was funny because the last night of the show, we actually did leave. <laughs> I think we left linking arms, but and, yeah. And giving the bird as with the other one as you walked out? Well, we were... We were young teens at the time, like 14, 15, so <laughs> that wasn't a thing that we would do. I want to say it was like 2002, maybe, that I did that, so 14. Yeah, there's nothing racist hate more than making... <laughs> there's nothing racist hate more than feeling uncomfortable about race. Yeah, and it's it's just still such a problem, and being the only black person in a lot of these casts... Yeah. It really is hard to think about. And so that's why, as I was going through this, I was getting progressively angry. <laughs> Back to bandstand-type shows. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're doing an episode. Yeah, we're doing an episode. They These bandstand-type shows would sometimes allow black musical guests on, which was something different between Dean's show and Clark's show, because Dean did bring black guests on before Clark did, but on on bandstand prior to the move from Philly to LA, black teens weren't actually allowed in the audience slash group of dancing teens on the show. Whereas Buddy Dean's show, oh boy, let me quote this from the Washington Post article called "The Messy Truth of the Real Hairspray" by Laura Wexler from 2003, back when Hairspray the musical was earning its Tonys, which we'll get into. When my show so when my show went on, management discussed the matter and decided that they would follow the local custom of segregation, and we were going to have separate but equal, Dean told Tony Warner, author of Buddy's Top Twenty, the story of Baltimore's hottest TV dance show and the guy who brought it to life. Separate meant that the committee consisted entirely of white dancers and nearly every show was for white guests only. Equal was a bit more of a stretch. It meant that black youths were invited onto the show, usually through church groups or boys or girls clubs, on one Monday each month. Among Buddy Deaners, this day was known as Special Guest Day. Among black kids in Baltimore, it went by the name Black Monday. <laughs> in Hairspray, it's called Negro Day. And Hairspray does it as kind of like a jab, because this Hairspray is very satirical, but in sort of the, this was going on, this wasn't okay, this was going on, you motherfuckers, and we'll get into... <laughs> it's it's serrated satire. It's serrated satire. Yes. And so this is what's going on with the Buddy Dean show, and this is the show that John Waters watched as a kid, and it was the show that inspired Hairspray and the events of the musical. However, and this is spoilers for the ending, Hairspray has a happy ending. Yay! Yay! Ha- yes! Woo! Happy ending. I am down with a happy ending. Yes. So Baltimore had integrated schools by the time the show premiered in 1957 because of Brown versus Board of Education. And the Baltimore City Board of Education didn't actually support the show over the fact that the show was segregated. But, you know, TV and parents who were letting their kids stay on the show kind of had more sway. And parents did not want to see their white kids dancing with black kids. And that's not to say that the kids were okay with this. There's an interview that I found that I thought about including more from, 
but it just was getting too weighty of an episode, and this is already going to be a really long first act of our episode. Mm. So um, the kids were in an integrated school for the most part. Like, they they had black friends. They were learning dance moves from their black friends. Uh, the article that I talk about, that I was mentioning, talks about Janice Green, who was a black student teaching one of the committee members, Mary Lou Raines, dance moves, that would in turn get used on the show. And uh, Janice Green even stated, it didn't bother me that Mary Lou took our dances back to the show. And even though they were our moves, she always did them white. Mm. <laughs> always so did them it's, white. It's like the kids weren't the ones being racist. They didn't see, they didn't see the same issue and it's it's the same thing that you were talking about, that it's that privilege. You don't see it unless you're in the thick of it. And they actually, uh, a couple of the kids did see that, though, from around Baltimore. Uh, the show gets picketed by the Civic Interest Group, and one of the many times, according to this article, uh, it was a group of interracial couples that tried to get into the show to oh, dance yeah. and they got denied and then <laughs> another time in june of 1962 the civic the civic interest group picketed and mark steiner one of the members of that group stated we did our best that day to get arrested and they did their best not to arrest us <laughs> and that scene actually corresponds to that corresponds to a scene in hairspray that does end in a, in an arrest um and you'll see when it happens but like you know, it's it's kind of a, it, it's it's a hallmark of this early 1960s era. And then the wind got taken out of my sails reading this because the ending of Hairspray is not what happens in real life. At the end of Hairspray, they integrate the show in this show-stopping number. The black teens come in dance with the white teens live on camera. Everyone leaves the theater feeling great. In reality, I'm going to quote from Laura Wexler's article because she told it better. Uh-oh. On August 12th, 1963, a Black Monday, a group of black and white kids staged a similar sneak attack on the Buddy Dean show, but it didn't have the same happy ending. The group was known as Baltimore Youth Opportunities Unlimited, Bayou, and members had gotten tickets through the customary channels, requesting them from Kozak. What wasn't customary, however, was that Bayou was not an all-black group, as Kozak assumed. It was the Baltimore branch of the Northern Student Movement, an integrated civil rights movement, uh, or organization. A number of our kids had complained about Black Monday, remembers Bill Henry, then head of Bayou and now counselor for Baltimore's Project Place. Uh, it's a transitional housing facility for homeless people with special needs. And so we came up with a plan that was fairly simple. We hired a bus from Baltimore Transit Company to take the black teens over that day. When the studio door opened, the black kids from the bus and the white kids from the cars just rushed in. The object was to catch the TV station off guard, which we did. The station staff was indeed caught off guard, but it was live TV and the show had to go on. So those tuning into the Buddy Dean show that August day witnessed the unthinkable. Black and white kids dancing together. 
a white guy would grab a black girl and the screen would dissolve into squiggles and squares, like the producers were trying to hide what was really happening, says Mary Curtis, a native Baltimorean who is now executive features editor and columnist at the Charlotte Observer. I've never forgotten it. Henry also watched that day. I remember that the lights on the show got so dim the kids were silhouettes, he said, but you could still tell that it was white and black kids dancing together. In the wake of the surprise integration came bomb and arson threats, sometimes so close to airtime that the show had to be broadcast from the relative safety of the parking lot. According to Kozak, the reaction showed WJZ's management they couldn't just integrate overnight, though that's exactly what they wanted to do. WJZ station manager Herb Cahan was a passionate integrationist who thought the station could be used as a force for change, said Gwyn Owens, then WJZ's edu- editorial director. Shortly after taking the helm in 1962, he had decided the Buddy Dean show, as popular and lucrative as it was, would either fully integrate or go off the air. But after witnessing the hysteria that followed the August 12, 1963 integration, Cahan came to believe what Dean and Kozak had said all along. Though the kids probably wouldn't mind, their parents would not tolerate integrated dancing on TV. I cannot resolve the problem with the parents, Cahan told a local civil rights activist. I have to get rid of the show. On January 4th, 1964, nearly five months after the first and only day that black and white kids danced cheek to cheek on TV in WJZ's studio, Buddy Dean put the parties over on the record player. After the song ended, he walked beyond the bright TV lights into the darkness and the show went off the air forever. So yeah, very different ending. You were looking that way. Mm -hmm. You didn't see the face that I made when you said bomb and arson threats? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Mm-hmm. I'm trying really hard not to scream because I don't want you to have to turn over to the mixer and <laughs> fuck with audio settings. I'm trying to be a big boy <laughs> and not throw a little boy tantrum. Warren is but a big boy now. Fuck. God. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Just... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and... I, I also have two John Waters quotes about this. Uh, including the ending of the show. One from 2003 and one from 2013, 10 years after the musical uh, premieres, gets its Tonys, everything, which I promise we'll get to the musical's history. I just wanted the background so that you know what this show is about, know the history underneath the show within a show in Hairspray. So... In 2003, in Laura Wexler's article, he states, My movie was never supposed to be the truth. It's not even... (laughs) Is that what comes in with the satire? Well, so he says, uh, My movie was never supposed to be the truth. It's not even the dream version. It's the John Waters version. It's a comedy about integration. However, in 2013, in an article about the reunion of the Buddy Dean Committee members, he states... Certainly all the stuff in Hairspray didn't happen for real, but it was my fantasy of how I wished it would be, not what really happened, because they didn't integrate in reality. It didn't have a happy ending. And like I said, that 2013 article is really good, and I've 
I wanted to add more quotes because the quotes from the different Buddy Dean dancers were really interesting. There were a couple that kind of raised my hackles a little bit, but I also was sitting there like, you are in your 70s now, so you're some, like there was someone who talked about their mixed race grandkids and it was kind of in a I'm not racist. I'm not sort racist, of way. I have black grandkids. Yeah, and so I but I, I sit here and go, I'm trying to not call you a racist for what you said, but it wasn't great. Is it is it is it the situation now when you say for it, what they said, is it about the yeah or not about the mixed race grandkids it was about the integration of the show oh gotcha and it was one of those things and it was about uh john waters <laughs> focus on integration in the movie rather not, than on the buddy dean dancers so was it kind of a situation of a of a i'm not racist but i didn't care for all the race mixing basically and yeah. it's one of those things that i'm like i i really try to be understanding of people who are older than my mom's generation. But at the same time, then I sit there and go, but then there's my grandfather and grandmother on my mom's side. Granted, Papa was never... He he was born way before Italians were considered white, so... And the thing, too, is I think about my own grandparents and mm-hmm. stuff like that and mm-hmm. they were very not racist mm-hmm. you know like they listened my, you know my, my parents talked about them too and stuff yeah like, there was not racism in the house there was not segregation mm-hmm. talk you know yeah. there was there was a hell be kind be loving be tolerant be accepting yeah you have people in your line who uh got in a lot of trouble as abolitionists <laughs> And not and not the uh, black people are too dumb to be slaves. No, in the either. in the let's cause some serious harm to let's, slave owners. Let's burn this bitch down. Yeah, yeah. It, you uh. come from a long line of that. I come from a possible. long line of of very angry white people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and and like I wanted to go into that article, but again, this episode is already long, and I've barely touched on the actual musical right now. And I also almost went into Bandstand itself because, Dick Clark, you're on fucking notice. I don't care that you're dead and that your rockin' New Year's Eve was my childhood. You're on fucking notice, man. When I die, we are gonna have a talk. Was he a racist? Mm-mm. He was another one of those I'm not racist butts and ah. denied some of the uh, some of the really serious shitty issues. stuff that happened on Bandstand and gotcha. claims that the integration happened a lot sooner than it did. And it's <sighs> like, motherfucker, you just were mad that Soul Train was doing better than you in the 70s like that that's how long some of this shit took i mean there's a reason that nichelle nichols kissing uh or kissing william shatner on star trek was such a big fucking deal it's because dancing was a big deal there were death threats over dancing over teens dance over kids dancing like you think about that, it's so fucked up. Yeah. It, it, it's one it of is. those things that, like... <laughs> there, there was a reason there was just grunting and teeth gritting from me. Yeah, because I didn't yeah. want to say what I was really thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's one... Yeah. And, like, again, 
as a kid, I knew this. I, I, I had heard stories from both my mom and my dad and my grandparents, but seeing the full story of the Buddy Dean show really fucked with me because it's like, holy shit. Like I knew about Bandstand. I didn't know about the Buddy Dean show. And there's another show that uh, Bandstand kind of ripped off dance moves from called the Mitch Thomas show that was a black show. And I didn't get into that one because I was going to get really mad. But yeah, God damn. Anyway, let's go on to the musical before I bu- burst a blood vessel in my brain or something. Yes, so, please. I, I don't want uh, you to die. Uh, it'd be too hard for you to find another co-host. <laughs> so, <laughs> on to the musical. Like I said, this was produced... <laughs> and my brain just immediately kick-started into this horror novel of, like, me committing all of these heinous crimes to, like, try and reanimate you, to bring you back, you know? Death crimes. Yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You really are the Barry to my Luke. Uh-huh. 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 Yeah. Don't die. Uh, because I think you're, you're the, 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 uh, stitching that's holding this unhinged tapestry together. Aww. So, yeah. Aww. You, you gotta, so sweet. You gotta stay here. Aww. You, you can't die because, uh, you're, you're the anchor that keeps my ship from sailing out to the sea of insanity. Aw, I love you. Man, I'm a motherfucking poet. <laughs> you are a motherfucking poet. I mean, I still think about the vows. Those were poetic as fuck. Mm, yeah. mm. Anyway. I impressed even myself. Mm. Mm. <laughs> can impress me later. All right. So, back to the musical. Uh, this was produced by Margot Lyon with music and lyrics done by Mark Shaman, who uh, wrote Blame Canada with Trey Parker. Blame Canada! And uh, Scott Whitman. With their beady little eyes, their clapping heads are full of blocks. So the book was written by Mark O'Donnell and Thomas Meehan, the latter of whom wrote the book for Annie. I can't remember if I mentioned that back when we were doing those episodes, and I didn't want to go back to look at those notes to reference it, because I was just like, I've got to finish this. I've got to finish this. You know, and now I feel bad, because even though when I was joking in Sykes, complete side, well, not kind of complete side, uh, the Blame Canada song, uh, I don't take as much joy in that now as I did when I was an immature, more immature, younger man, mm-hmm. uh, because I, I, I now know awesome Canadian people, mm-hmm. and uh, even 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 jokingly, I'm kind of like, you know, I don't, I don't find it funny like I used to. Yeah, so, yeah. Hey, character growth. Character growth, babe. Yeah. Love to see it. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, there is one song in Hairspray, one that I used as an audition song, my graduation song, and all around I just got a sing it song that almost got taken out. And I don't think I would have liked the show as much if they had removed it or changed the placement. And I kind of feel a bit of that way when we'll get to the movie, because they do change the placement of the song in the movie. And while the imagery that they use it in is really fucking powerful, I think it does better where it's placed. So this is from Jeff Smith with the San Diego Reader. From the start, they wanted I Know Where I've Been to be Hairspray's rousing 11 o'clock number. 
they never imagined that a torrent of protest would follow us from almost everyone involved with the show. Many wanted to, the musical to not be about the civil rights movement, loss of box office among their fears. Some said that the song was too sad, others too preachy. They wanted Tracy Turnblad, the unself-conscious star, to have the boffo number. Shaman and Whitman held their ground, which I thank them for every day, holy shit. We simply didn't want our show to be yet another showbiz version of a civil rights story where the black characters are just background, said Shaman. And what could be more Tracy Turnblad-like than to give the 11 o'clock number to the black family at the heart of the struggle? Luckily, audiences embrace this moment, which enriches the happy ending to follow. It's our proudest achievement of the entire experience of writing Hairspray. Nice. Yes, and I agree 1,000% because this song, just thinking about it and thinking about it in the context of the musical still fucking gives me chills. And it's why I have kind of a mixed feeling about the movie, because they changed the placement of this song. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know, that I can see why they changed it in the movie, but at the same time, I'm like, it really needs to be that 11 o'clock number, because it is the thesis of the show. Because on the surface, yeah, it's this heavy set teen going and achieving her dreams in a dance contest, like in in a dance show. But underneath it, it is a story of the civil rights movement. It is a story of integration. It is a story of powering through and overcoming just everything that's put up against you and to either get rid of or move that song, I think is a disservice. So I'm I'm very glad that Shaman and Whitman were just like, nah, fuck it, we're keeping it here. It needs to stay here. It it's really powerful. So the original Broadway cast starred Marissa Jarrett Wincourt as Tracy Turnblad, Harvey Firestein as Edna Turnblad. He's gonna reprise the role in the version we're watching today. Dick Latessa as Wilbur Turnblad, Mary Bond Davis as Motormouth Maybell Stubbs. Linda Hart as Vel- Velma Von Tussel, Clark Thorell as Corny Collins, Matthew Morrison as Link Larkin, Carrie Butler as Penny Pingleton, Corey Reynolds as Seaweed Stubbs, Tone Deaf alumnus Laura Bell Bundy from Legally Blonde as Amber Von Tussel, uh, Danielle Eugenia Wilson as Little Inez, and Joel Vig and Jackie Hoffman rounding out the principal roles as Her- Harriman F. Spritzer. Uh, the principal and Mr. Pinky for Joel, and, and Prudy Pingleton, the gym teacher, and the prison matron for Jackie. The show had a tryout at the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle, Washington, before moving to the Neil Simon Theater on Broadway. It opened on August 15, 2002, running until January 4, 2009. It was nominated for 13 Tonys and won eight, including Best Musical. Among the nominations was Best Supporting Actor, which there were two for this, Corey Reynolds and Dick Latessa, the latter of whom won. Uh, The version we're going to be watching, though, is the NBC Live version from 2016. This one's a little bit interesting compared to NBC's other live musicals, as it was not filmed in the same fashion. Instead of being filmed like a traditional stage show, like The Wiz that we saw, This was done on Universal Studios' backlot to be able to do all their outdoor scenes, and it kind of has a different feel to it. 
the script was adapted for TV by Harvey Firestein and incorporates Ladies' Choice and Come So Far, Got So Far to Go from the 2007 film. The cast was uh, Maddie Bilio as Tracy Turnblad. She was chosen in a nationwide casting call similar to what was done for The Wiz Live. Harvey Firestein as Edna Turnblad, Martin Short as Wilbur Turnblad, Jennifer Hudson as Maybelle Motormouth Stubbs, Garrett Clayton as Link Larkin, Ariana Grande as Penny Pingleton, Kristen Chenoweth as Velma Von Tussle, uh, Derek Howe at Derek Ho or Derek Huff. I can never tell because mm. of the O off off O U. Damn it, I forgot the phonics thing that I used to have to do for oof off off oof off. It's like O ow off oof oo something like that back when i was teaching spalding spelling we had to deal with all the different sounds that o-u-g-h makes because fuck english man (laughs) um (laughs) he was corny collins dove cameron was amber von tussle ephraim sykes as seaweed stubbs uh shaddai wright joseph was lil inez andrea martin was prudy pingleton paul voigt was uh, mr harriman f spritzer Billy Eichner is Rob Barker, Sean Hayes is Mr. Pinky, and then Ricky Lake and Marissa Jarrett Wincourt, both the original Tracys, have a uh, have a cameo in the scene that takes place during the Welcome to the 60s number, which you'll finally get that joke um, that I've been doing for two and a half years. So, that's Hairspray! Hmm. Shall we go and punch a hole in the ozone with some good old CFC-laden aerosols? (laughs) To that I say... There's a hole in the ozone. Get me the red phone. (laughs) (sighs) All right, let's go. (laughs) Warren. Hey, Kay. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to thank our Patreon sponsors? It is! Woo! We would like to thank our stage crew sponsors, Jeff, Reagan, and Jasmine Wu. And our producer circle sponsors, Jesse, Bianucci, and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your continued support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Hey, it's your boys from TGOT, those guys over there at Podcast. I'm Big Tom, the irrational flies one of us all. It's your boy Jeff, the fact checker, the one who always write. Tim, I'm going to fuck your life up. This is Phil. Petty wise. I say what I want and do what I want and and it, and it works. <laughs> Are you getting a real name? Nope. We just five guys with the shits and giggles. We got that bar conversation for you. We just always having a good fucking time. <laughs> I didn't know we were seeing lines out here. Fuck it. End this promo. And now the lights are going down and the music starting back up. So let's head back to the second act of our show. So Warren, was this the Warren's choice? Is this hairspray as good as you were expecting it to be? You know, I actually don't know what I was expecting with hairspray because... Uh, Like I had mentioned, the only thing I knew about Hairspray was John Travolta in drag. (laughs) 
And so I really didn't know what to expect. But I can tell you that my thoughts on this were... And especially, and I gotta say, I really loved how <laughs> my wife is easily entertained by just about anything I do, which, oh I mean, God. that should be the goal of every relationship. <laughs> if your significant other can be wildly entertained by your dumbest moments. That's how you know, that's, that's love. That's how you know you've got somebody that you can stay with for the rest of your life. Because as long as you can be dumb and they find that joy in love. Love. Uh, <clears throat> wow. Wow, that hurt. That hurt me to hear me sing that. I'm sorry, listener. Um, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed this, this uh, 2016 NBC live hairspray performance excellent i i i liked it a lot um i it's one of those things that i i wouldn't mind watching because there's a lot of stuff that i feel like i probably missed yeah just because of the normal course of uh me clackety clacking with yeah with uh with taking notes and i definitely know i was missing some of the more subtle jokes mm -hmm. in uh the songs especially especially just because my my tone-deaf nature of not hearing things correctly. Well, and also, you're not being raised by people of certain generations-ness, because I had to explain the Rock Hudson joke to you, and then <laughs> went, I'm younger than you. Why do I know this? <laughs> I mean, by 11 months, but still. <laughs> to some people, that's huge. <laughs> oh, you're an old soul, my darling. I guess. Old something. I'm an old egg. <laughs> Thanks, uh, doctor. <laughs> All right. So we open with a sweeping view of the... And you're taking a sip and I was like, I, I need to not oh, finish no. that. Just because I, I could see you absolutely spitting. So we open with a sweeping view of the cock of peas and... <laughs> what? So it was NBC. showed the peacock. The cock oh of peas. Oh, my God. And zoom in on some guy watching JFK on his segregated TV. <laughs> While the view from the street is people on their daily grind. Delivery... Hold, hold up. Is, is that a joke on black and white? That's a joke okay. on black and white. Okay. His TV is segregated. Jesus Christ. I mean, black and white is really more grayscale. Like, there, you know, there are grays represented. It's not true black and white. There is Jesus gray. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, Warren. <laughs> So anyway, this guy's watching JFK on his segregated TV, with, while the view from the street is people on their daily grind. Delivery people delivering, scavengers scavenging, and then spraying the screen with, you guessed it, hairspray. Oh, 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 oh. The opening song is a girl singing Good Morning Baltimore in a very 60s style, with very 60s styles hair. Mm -hmm. Tracy is her name, and we know this because she says the rats say hi. <laughs> So does this flasher who swings his dick at the teen. The 60s were a simpler time. Anyways, Tracy sings about how she knows there's a place out there for her and oh, 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 give her a chance, you TV bastard people, because there is something inside of her that makes her move when she hears the groove. And I know, even though it was like, 
an hour and a half to two hours ago that I got the O-O-O completely wrong. And in my head, when I'm typing the note, it makes sense. And I have the tune. But then we're done. And the tune is gone. It's the curse of the witch. It's uh, the curse of being me. It's okay. Do you want to bust out a little bit of the... Put you on the spot. Oh, 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 woke up today, feeling the way I always do. Oh, 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 hungry for something that I can't eat. When I hear the beat, the rhythm of town starts. Ah, fuck, fuck, fuck. The words are gone. (laughs) It's because I I have corrupted you. I'm also sitting here going... How much of it can I get away with I think you did, before we have to I pay think you, for it? You did great. You did great. And it's, it's, really, really, I have perfect uh, tone recollection. I just lie about it so I can get you to sing on our show. Oh, baby, you just say sing. Sing! Sorry. That was a little loud, wasn't it? It's a little different when you're wearing it's headphones. a little different when you're wearing headphones. So, yes, Guy Flash is a teen, and <laughs> she's There's got... the Flasher who lives next door. <laughs> There's the bum on his barroom stool. They wish me luck on my way to school. <laughs> it's my... That's like, that opening sort of sold me on the show when I was a kid. I was like, <laughs> okay, yep, that's... Kid, I was a teenager by the time this came out. How old were you? Oh, wait, 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 wait. 20s, wait, you mean the original... Wait, what do you... When the, this came out? When, when, uh... Hairspray, the musical, first came out. Okay, sorry. I was you, I was a teenager. You said I was that, not that, a teenager in 2016. I was gonna say I looked like I a was, teenager in gonna, 2016. I was gonna say, Kay, I think your your perception of time is a little skewed. My, my students, when I was teaching in 2016, thought I was 18, and then when I told them I was 28, they went, "You're old." And then you and I just killed. I just died. I crumbled inside. <laughs> Felt myself die inside. Oh, ooh, 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 ooh. Uh, God, I hate how high I can make my voice. Anyways, okay, anyways, anyways, we have Dick. It's all right, baby. I can make my voice pretty low. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they're great. They're great. Uh, that's not Tony. What the fuck? Okay, they're adequate. <laughs> okay, stop distracting me. Stop it. The Hello Baltimore song ends, and we get the intro for Corny Collins and his bop bebop song about how every day at 4 p.m. teens invade the stage to dance and sing as long as they're white. Mm-hmm. Except that we find out later, once a month. Mm-hmm. So is that like the TV station's period? Well, actually, no, because <laughs> it's not for a whole week. It's just one, one, one day. Jesus Christ! I bet most ladies wish their period was just once a day. I know. It's not fair. Segregation and menstruation cycles. Two things not fair. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> Tracy gets out of class and rushes home with her friend to watch Corny Collins on her TV. And her mom does and other people's laundry in home and charges them for removing their personal stains. LOL, LOL, No, <laughs> lol, lol, lol. That's what I should say. <laughs> oh. Anyways, back at Corny Collins, we get the intro of all the different nice white teens who I will not name, except Link, because he's obviously the panty dropper of the bunch, because Tracy is steaming over him. Oh, wait, that's her mother ironing. Lol, 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 I'm so funny. Uh, so, the Corny Collins song ends, and the producer comes over to tell the teens not to touch themselves on camera. The kids come back from commercial to plug the show's sponsor, Ultra Clutch Hairspray. And I guess that one of the nice teen girls is taking a nine-month leave of absence for obvious reasons. Tracy loses her shit because this is her big moment to audition for being a fun-loving dancing teen on Corny Collins Happy Hour. They're the nicest kids in town. Ooh. That's not how it goes, but I just wanted to be a part of it. Um, <laughs> Tracy's mom tells her that she can't audition, but Tracy's like, la, 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 I'm going to audition anyway. And when her dad gets home, her mom is like, tell the fat, tell her that fat people can't be on TV unless they're being laughed at. And her dad is like, you do that so well. <laughs> and her dad is like, you follow your dreams. Go be on TV. And after her dad leaves to go back to his joke shop, Tracy's mom tries to crush her daughter's dreams further. And we see the different girls, uh, Tracy's friend uh, Penny and Amber, the, the preppy prissy blonde bitch, and the, <laughs> who's the producer's daughter of, of Corny Collins' show, all singing about... Uh, them wanting their parents to stop telling them what to do because mm -hmm. Tracy's friend Penny wants to watch Cornhole Collins, but her mom <laughs> is like, race music is bad. Whoa. And Amber is a terrible dancer, but her mom is willing to lie, cheat, and steal to get her that ultra clutch Miss Hairspray teen prize or whatever. Mm -hmm. And of course, Tracy wants to be on the show. So the girls all sing about how they're big girls now and should be able to do what they want. And mamas are like, no! Listen to me! The big girl song concludes, and we jump back to the cornhole dance hour, or <laughs> auditions for them, and the new spot. And the producer and her flock of bitchy bitches ridicule all the uh, all the auditionees, and the producer is like, I might have to be the dancing teen myself. And her bitchy bitches all snicker and laugh at the prospect, and before bitchy producer lady can snap the Barbies in half... <laughs> Tracy and Penny show up, and Tracy wants to audition, but is told that she's too much to audition. And the girls see Link Lark something. And Link Larkin. Link Larkin. Sounds like... I was going to say sounds like a superhero, but like a lame, really lame superhero. <laughs> I like, mean, there's a lot of alliterative names in this. Tracy Turnblad, mm -hmm. Penny Pingleton, wait, Link Larkin. Wait, 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 wait. Her name is Turnblad? Yes. I need to get my motherfucking ears checked. <laughs> what did you think it was? I thought her last name was Turnblack. <laughs> I thought that was a conscious choice. Because the whole show is about integration. 
I thought her name was Turnblack. Oh my god, Warren. What the fuck? (laughs) Oh, you know what? I'm glad that I didn't write any Turnblack jokes in here. Because that shocking revelation would totally undo any of the comedic genius I'm sure I would have pulled out of my nether regions. Um, Jesus Christ. So, uh, bitchy Barbies being bitches. Uh, Lark something. Link, yeah, yeah. Link is talking about how all the girls want to fuck him. And he bumped, that's where you made the... Uh, Rock Hudson Rock comment. Hudson comment. Kay had to educate me on who Rock Hudson was. Mm-hmm. And I barely remember. G- a gay guy that women wanted to bang but they didn't know he was gay and it didn't come out until he died of AIDS so sad sort of (laughs) (laughs) the way the way you said that it reminded me of the I guess meme so I told you new information comes into my ear it takes a look around my brain Goes, it's dark in here, and then it leaves. <laughs> so, oh, go away, unknown number. So, uh, holy shit. Yes. Oh my God. All the girls want to bang Link, and, uh, oh Link bumps into Tracy, who is like, oh, you can bump into me anytime link i've got a soft spot with your name all over it (laughs) and time stops for tracy to sing about how link except sing about link except uh, penny is part of this break in the space-time continuum (laughs) but as tracy is singing the rest of the teens except for link start to be entranced by tracy and sing about bells those damn sexy bells are ringing (laughs) Link then comes to life and Tracy Bells starts... Bells are ringing is a completely different show. I... What? Never mind. <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> There's a show called Bells are Ringing? Yes. Yes. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Link then comes to life and Tracy starts to sing about how she's going to marry Link. Oh! Wedding bells. Those are the sexy bells she's hearing. Gotcha. Makes sense now. Jesus Christ. So, the song ends and time resumes and Link goes back to ignoring Tracy and all the bitchy girls turn up the bitchy meter and the producer bitch sings about how much Tracy is not a good fit at all while the super bitchy bitch crew ridicule her over and over again and the producer is like, would you swim in an integrated pool? And when Tracy is like, yep, sure would. Integration is the way of the future. She's told, no, the answer is no. The world is black and white and we keep it that way. And Tracy has to leave. And the black girl, and then a black girl shows up to audition and she's told to hit the door. Little Inez. Yeah. Back at school, Tracy is spraying her hairspray in the hall and pisses off the dean, the uh, gym teacher, Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> and Tracy gets sentenced to detention yet again. And in detention, she's... Oh, and there's a reoccurring theme where she's always getting sent to detention for, like, dumb, arbitrary reasons. What was mm-hmm. the... Excuse me. There was one that was, like, her... She had detention because she spoke in language class? She spoke in speech class. Okay. So yeah. it's, I think it's yeah. just it's just, a, it's just a joke. I don't think there's more to it. I don't think I it's, need... It's just a jokey line, but it's basically being like, 
no matter what she does, she's going to get sent to detention. Yeah, that seems to be the case. No and matter... detention is used to hold back students and be like, oh, now they have to be in special ed. To... And of course, when you see which students mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. are being mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. treated mm -hmm. this way. So a side mm -hmm. note, I don't know if Rosie O'Donnell has any like skeletons in her closet or if she's widely disliked for any particular reason or if she's like a terrible person or anything in secret but i very much dislike her mm -hmm. and it's for an incredibly petty reason that i will now tell people i may All have right. touched on this before um it is because when i was a small child in elementary school and i used to eagerly hurry home to watch spider-man on fox oh, kids God. <laughs> That's right. Rosie O'Donnell had her stupid <laughs> television show, whatever it was like, one of those interview bullshit, I don't give a fuck shows. And they ended up having to bump up Spider-Man oh, on their block. no. So no matter how quickly I got home after school, I would always just catch the ending of it and then it go right into Rosie O'Donnell's show. And <gasps> I have developed a grudge. Against Rosie O'Donnell because she cock blocked me from Spider Man <laughs> as a little boy. And uh you don't do that. You don't do that to little elementary school Warren. Oh my god. School sucks enough, but now I don't even get to look forward to Spider Man on my way home. Fuck you, Rosie O'Donnell. Um <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell. But did I say Donald? Yes. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> I also don't like Donald Duck, so I will call her Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> what Donald Duck ever do to you? He's just a dick. I mean, he's a duck. He's, he's, um, he's, he's, I think I would say he's my least favorite out of like the old school Disney, uh, uh, established IPs, mm -hmm. you know? He's he's the Daffy or even, the Squidward. He's the foil. Even, even though he had some pretty good cartoons mm -hmm, that he was in, mm -hmm. I, I disliked him just as a person. <laughs> as as a sovereign sentient entity, I did not like him. Okay. Wow. Uh Tirades and Tangents. Oh my god. That'd be the name of my autobiography. Tirades and Tangents. <laughs> so Tirades and Tangents aside. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell, ugh, I did it again, Rosie O'Donnell, and Tracy, so Tracy gets sent to detention yet again, and in detention, she's having a good old time dancing with the black kids, and Rosie will not tolerate that, and sentences Tracy to special ed with all the other characters, and Tracy is like, woo, I'm a bad girl who needs to be punished, <laughs> that's an actual line she says, don't, uh, don't, yeah, it that, is. I I will I will stand proud and accept uh, the mantle that is my weirdness, but I want to make it make it clear, my weirdness is my own. Mm -hmm. Um, so yes, we cut to the gym where a segregated dance is taking place, mm -hmm. and it's being hosted by Cornhole Collins. Mm -hmm. Tracy shows up to dance with the black kids, but is reminded that segregation is still a thing, and they have to dance with their respective crowds. Tracy shows off some funky dance moves and catches Cornhole's attention, who has her dance the funky dance and asks her her name. 
The dancing continues, and we see the next day, or something, undisclosed amount of time later, and Tracy has made it to the TV show, and her friends and parents are freaking out mm -hmm. seeing her on TV. Tracy gets asked on TV about herself, and she tells what high school she goes to, and that she watches Cornhole's happy hour and does mm -hmm. nothing else. So she goes to school, and she watches Cornhole, nothing else. Cornhole asks her what she wants to be when she grows up, and she says, The first woman president. Or a yeah. rocket. Yes, a rocket. rocket. And then when asked what she would do as president, she says that she would make every day... Can I say it? Can you can say it for this. She would make every day Negro Day. And when Tracy says that, it makes the owner of Ultra Clutch Hairspray freak the fuck out. And Cornhole asks Tracy if she would like Link to sing a song to her. And Tracy almost dies of dehydration, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Jesus, Warren. And Link proceeds to sing to all the girls on stage, but ends paired off with Tracy, who grabs him by the face and kisses him right before the camera cuts. <laughs> Ultra Hold's owner is like, That chubby communist girl kissed the pretty boy! And Cornhole starts to tell Ultra Ass that times are changing and that chubby people and black people buy hairspray too. And that he needs to get with the times. The people on camera need to look like the people watching. What is it? The people on TV need to look like the people watching TV. Yep. And uh, the producer is a complete bitch and tries to fire Cornhole for his not extremist idea. Well, I guess. Jesus Christ. Back then, that would be an extremist. Yeah. For his extremist views. But Cornhole just laughs and shrugs it off and leads Ultra Ass off screen so that they can discuss business away from the producer bitch. Who then sings an evil song about how she's totally not a racist, but... Insert racist shit about how integration is destroying America, basically is the gist of it. I love Sammy Davis Jr. He's black and, and a Jew. Jew. <laughs> Hard J on that, yep. Yep. Back oh, <laughs> Kirsten Chenoweth is so good at being evil. She really is. And she does the, the type of singing she does. I can't like every time she sings, I don't know how to explain the cadence that she does. But it always reminds me of uh, uh, the James Bond intro, like like of a James Bond intro, like a 60s James Bond. Like she kind of just has that. Ah, I, fuck, I can't do it. Um, The bravado in her voice. Yeah, the, it's got to be the bravado. The, not vibrato, which is the wavering, but just she sings with a lot of bravado. She, but she, but she, she does kind of, but she does kind of do that wavering bit. She does a little bit, yeah. She does have vibrato in her voice, but basically, like she brassy. That's the word I'm looking for. She gets, she's a rare brassy soprano. She's brassy and sassy. Um, <laughs> back at Tracy's house, her mom has been cleaning and answering the phone which has been ringing off the hook for support for Tracy. And also, some phone sex pervs. Uh, <laughs> what are you wearing? What are you wearing? What am I wearing? Uh, apron. Uh, uh, dress I haven't washed in a couple of days. Um, some panties. What are you wearing? Click. Hello? <laughs> Actually, on a side note, hey there, uh, Listeners? Warren, no. <laughs> Is it better if I go, Hey there, listeners. What are you wearing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're a naughty little listener, aren't you? Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah, take it off. 
Slowly. Wait, not not that slow. Uh, okay, put it back on. Kay's, Kay's giving me a look. Alright, we'll continue. Should I do the rest of the episode in this voice? Oh god, I don't think I can. I think I can feel the lining of my throat coming apart. <coughs> Either that or it's the smoke in the Utah Valley. Uh-oh. I don't think I can stop. Well, let's see how this goes. <laughs> okay, I'm done now. <laughs> Tracy comes home, and her mom tells her how proud she is of her. And she has a line. She's like, if you knew you were going to make it on TV, I wouldn't have opposed it in the first place. going to take So the phone rings again. And it's Mr. Pinky, who has a plus-size store. And he wants Tracy to be his exclusive model and fashion effigy. What's an effigy? Uh, and Tracy <laughs> and her mom set out to visit Mr. Pinky. And along the way, we get a boppin' song about, Mama, welcome to the 60s. I can't do it, Kay. Will you please do it? <laughs> hey, Mama, welcome to the 60s. Oh, 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 oh. Welcome to the 60s. Yo, mama, welcome to the 60s. And that was a little bit out of my range right now because I've been laughing too hard (laughs) and my throat is going, you're an alto, bitch. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and that's also where you find out that Edna has not left the house for like 10 years. Oh, yeah, Tracy's. I never refer to her as Edna, just Tracy's Mm -hmm. mom. But yeah, just she's been a housewife who's been doing other mm-hmm. people's. She's basically been running a laundromat in her own home. Yeah, because she's ashamed to leave the house. Oh, I yeah. Did, okay, yeah. I did not catch that she is ashamed to live the, mm-hmm. leave the house because she's a bigger gal. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of, that's sort of the uh, story arc for her and like why she's so protective of Tracy about going on the show is because gotcha. of Tracy being a bigger girl and she's got her insecurities about being a bigger girl. So, and she's kind of projecting her own insecurities onto mm-hmm. Tracy, but Tracy is very comfortable yes. as she is. She's yes. like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. <clears throat> Ow. Tracy and Tracy's mom, Edna, are uh, singing and dancing on the street on their way to go meet Mr. Pinky. And we see the two meet Mr. Pinky, who dresses them up in some stylish garb, and everyone dances in the street, singing Mama, Welcome to the 60s. The next day, one of the bitchy girls shows up to school with a Tracy-style haircut, and she gets mocked by all the other bitchy girls, who then try to loudly spread rumors about Tracy calling her a slut. When Tracy and her... Special Ed friends show up to the gym to uh, play dodgeball with the normies. Amber calls Tracy a tugboat, and Tracy tells Amber this. I, <laughs> I just love that line. Tells Tra- uh, Tracy tells Amber that she has acne of the soul, mm-hmm. which is just so fucking great. Anyways, the game of dodgeball commences, and the game is chaotic and brief and ends with Amber melee striking Tracy in the back of the head with a ball. Rosy, shitty gym teacher O'Donnell dismisses the class, and Link tells Amber that, uh, Link tells Amber that what she did was not very cool. And Amber blows it off by telling him to go 
meet her under the bleaches later if you want to know what I mean. <laughs> Link, Penny, and Motormouth go to check on Tracy. Like seaweed. Seaweed? Yeah, Motormouth's the mom. I thought Motormouth was... Oh. Oh. <laughs> I... What's... Seaweed's Motormouth's mom. Seaweed is Motormouth's er, son. Seaweed's Motormouth's son. So, yes. quick question. Uh-huh. What is their last name? Stubbs. Fuck. Um, <laughs> I thought Motormouth was a family name. Blue Jeans is not a family name. I have been... He, he is... He... He... Seaweed... <laughs> Okay, can we take a moment? Who calls? Who names their kids seaweed? Like oh, he orchid, <laughs> petunia, lily, rose. Sure, he goes seaweed. J Stubbs. So J is probably like stands for his first name, but he goes by seaweed. It's a nickname. Like how Barry is short for Barreled. So, <laughs> Link. Son of Motormouth <laughs> and Penny oh, go to check on Tracy and Link comments that she's beautiful when she's unconscious and time stops as he's like, hey, I hear bells. Weird. And Tracy wakes up all, whatever channel I'm on, no one change it. And Tracy introduces Link to Son of Motormouth and Son of Motormouth is like, hey, we're having a party at the record shop. You should come. And Penny, Tracy, and Link all get invited up to the party. And boy, is it a party. That is until the blonde bitches show up and have to be all racist to everybody at the record shop. And then the bitches end up leaving. There's a great scene in here, though, with... Uh, uh, so, so like, they go to the record shop. They're having a nice time. It's they're, one of the best songs. They have a good song in there. And then people are just are just milling and, uh, and dancing. And then Amber comes in to be a complete bitch and her mom comes in to also be a complete bitch and then tracy's mom comes in because her she i had a hankering for chicken and waffles so your father and i drove down to whatever takeout to ruby's you, ruby's takeout and we saw you and i was like oh, is that tracy so we came over to say hi and then <coughs> um <laughs> that's when we get bitchy producer lady being like huh you spawned that and and mm -hmm. uh edna's about ready to throw down mm -hmm. with amber's mom and it's pretty glorious tracy dear hold my waffles yeah tracy hold mommy's waffles their <laughs> face is like oh uh but yeah so the bitches end up leaving and uh, uh tracy is like man we should end segregation by having all of us dance on stage together and show that racism is dumb. And Link is like, but I could get fired and I'm not a racist, but why is segregation my problem? And Link leaves because he doesn't want to because he, he doesn't want to have skin in the game. Tracy, however, is ready to throw down and throw away her career for social justice. And Tracy's mom requires a song about how why I say require and Tracy's mom has a song. Oh, no, haha. Tracy's mom does require a song about <laughs> how big women are beautiful before she has the courage to go on TV to do the protest dance. Mm -hmm. 
and we all get a little bit of a uh, soft spot, hard spot for Jennifer Hudson. Ooh, yeah. 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 Dude, yeah. did you say that Jennifer Hudson was in this in the beginning? Because yes. I don't know why my brain did not pick up on that <laughs> because holy fuck, Jennifer right? Hudson, man. Like, mm, mm. God damn. Mm. Mm. Man. Mm-hmm. I'll just... Mm-hmm. Woo! Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, integrated group go to the protest, but the fuzz shows up, and Tracy gets arrested, and that is the act break. And yes. End part one. Yes. Tracy's been jailed. Yep. For social justice. Social justice drailing. Drailing? Social justice jailing. <laughs> Words are hard. The phone rings, and Tracy's mom answers the call. It's Mr. Pinky, who has no sense of social justice and says that Tracy can't be his spokesperson anymore because she's a hardened criminal upsetting the status quo. Tracy's dad shows off some gag device that is going to save the day, in his words, which it doesn't. It, it comes back later, and it doesn't fucking save the day. Um, yes. And Tracy's mom gets bummed out about how she feels like her life has passed her by. And her husband is like, nah, baby, you're fine as fuck. Let me sing about how fucking great you are and how much I still want to fuck you. And then the two sing about how they're timeless to each other. I fucking love that song, especially in uh, this version. And it's, I don't. We'll get to it when we cover the movie next week, but I don't like it as much in the movie as in this, because he is, like, obviously into her in this. It's... He is not clue... It, like, he... I'll, I'll spoil it for you right now. Christopher Walken is the dad in the uh, 2007 movie, and he kind of plays the dad more clueless and less all over Edna and it's kind of it's something that you don't see in media of a thinner guy being all the fuck over his heavier wife and Fair. that's something that I was and and especially like an older couple being all head over heels for each other you don't see that much in media so it's kind of refreshing to see it that way and they kind of they tone it down a lot in the movie, and I kind of like it more in this version, just because it's like, ah, it is nice because like they're they're saying things that you could, in a different context, you could take to be an insult. Yes, but they're saying it in a way is like basically it kind of comes down to, I don't care if you're old and fat, I love you. Mm-hmm. I don't care if your hairline is receding or mm-hmm. whatever, I love you. Like they're just talking about basically. You know, you're 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 aging, you're ripening, mm-hmm. and truly for better or for, for worse. better or for worse. Yeah, it's it's a it is a good bit because go away. Uh, it is a really good song. Well, I don't want to say it's a really good song because it's for a... for me, mm-hmm. it's just okay. But mm-hmm. the subtext and the spirit behind the song, I yes. really dig. Same because. Yeah, like you said, for better or for worse. I, as I was listening to that song, I'm kind of like, okay, well, in 30 years, 40 mm-hmm. years, it's going to be Kay and I. Yep. You know? Yep. 
Yeah, I'll be like, I don't care that your tits are down to your ankles. I still will motorboat the fuck out of them. I don't care that your balls hang lower than your dick. I still love you. So. Marta fit in the mouth. <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a cute song that's just about mm-hmm. this couple that still loves each other even though the ravages of time have taken their effects on them both yep the song ends and the scene changes and tracy's mom is delivering a grilled cheese to her jail dot well half of a grill i may have nibbled some of it on the way over and uh there are no guards at the jail because the governor had to decide between giving himself a raise or budget cuts tracy's mom says that she'll be back with breakfast and tells her daughter to keep the faith Tracy asks that uh, she, uh, Tracy says that she has to think about some things, and what better place than solitary confinement? <laughs> After a brief song, she hears a noise outside her bars, and it's Link who has come to tell Tracy about his character development. <laughs> and now he's broken up with Amber and wants to be with Tracy. Link asks uh, Tracy to wear his ring, and the two try to kiss, but those damn bars get in the way. I mean, there are other things that can be done through the bars, <laughs> but this isn't that kind of show. Oh my god. And the two sing about how even if they <laughs> even if they keep them apart, they can't stop them from singing about love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After the uh, Jailbird song singing about love... We then see Penny being tied down by her psycho mother and son of Motormouth breaking in to free her from her restraints and rescue her. I still can't get over that you thought he was Motormouth. Let's be fair. It's not the most embarrassing thing that's no, it's happened. it's not. It's not. Just, oh my god. It's just, I mean, he, Motormouth is not a family name. I thought it was like a nickname. <laughs> and I thought that it was... Well, I mean, I did say last. So I thought it was like a nickname because of the Motormouth record thing. And then when you said that's not his name, then I was like, could it potentially be a last name? And that's why it's Motormouth Records. Seaweed Motormouth. (laughs) Uh, Uh, I'm sorry, you're so cute and it makes me giggle. So... (laughs) <laughs> Back at Tracy, she shakes the jail bars because you she she shakes the jail bars and they come loose because you guessed it more budget cuts. It was either fix the bars or get a gas chamber. And Tracy, the rebel, breaks out of jail to dance in the streets and sing about love. The scene ends and we see son of Motormouth. Wait, no, no. <laughs> the scene ends and we see Motormouth Records, where the group is watching the news. And is talking about how Tracy the Rebel has broken out of jail. And who, who, I ask you, should show up at Motormouth Records but Tracy the Rebel with her accomplice, Link. And Penny and the young son of Motormouth, of course. (laughs) The group are upset about how they tried to protest and nothing happened and they're reluctant to do it again. But Mrs. Wait. She's not Mrs. Motormouth. She is just Motormouth Maybell. Mother of son of Motormouth <laughs> is like, I'm going to keep trying because we're bound to break through. And man, does Jennifer Hudson, mm-hmm. like, she's 
so fucking amazing. She blows mm-hmm. the roof off this scene. Mm-hmm. And when she sings, well, when she sings, I know where I've been. And mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I can say more than just Jennifer Hudson. Yep. Like, yep. End. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yes. The scene ends. And that's the song that was like the song that I, when I was auditioning for stuff, I would do that song. When I was graduating high school, did that song for high school graduation. That's Make the a one bunch that of white I... people feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sang it at church a couple of times. <laughs> Like, snuck that one in. (laughs) Oh, it's so fun to sneak songs in when you've got a praise band. Because you can sneak in fucking anything. You can sneak in The Who. You can sneak in Lion King. (laughs) There goes Kay with their critical race theory. Remember, critical race theory is just anything that makes white people feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, that, that song, if I could find the video from high school singing it, I would probably put it on our Twitter but I would need to find it. Do you, do you think you could uh, break off a little of uh, I Know Where I've Been? Absolutely. It's not going to sound like Jennifer Hudson because I'm a contralto, but... There's a light in the darkness Though the night is black as my skin There's a light burning bright Showing me the way, but I know where I've been. And that's about all that we can legally do. <laughs> mm. Um, yes. The scene ends and cuts to a Miss Teen Hairspray contest hosted by Cornhole and sponsored by Ultra Clutch. Hmm. Tracy's dad tries to sneak in a giant can that is... Definitely not hiding anything in it. <laughs> but he gets busted by Von Blad, the blonde... Is it... Okay. Is it Von Blad? Von Tussle. Von Tussle? Yeah. Why did I say Von Blad? Because turn Blad? The fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> You're fine, I just baby. combined two... Nagagbagda! <laughs> <sighs> Okay, baby. That's it. I quit. No, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. I need to get I need to get my brain checked and my ears checked cuz there's something wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're fine, baby. So, Tracy's dad tries to sneak in a giant can that is definitely not hiding anything in it, but he gets busted by the blonde alpha bitch producer before the talent portion part of the Mrs. Harris Miss Hairspray contest. And Amber sings a rude song about how Tracy has cooties, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a dumb song, and it's a dumb dance, and fuck Amber. But before she can be crowned Queen Bitch of the Hairspray universe, Tracy shows up with Link and Son of Motormouth and is ushered to the stage to dance and sing. So they have like this this tally board or whatever and i assume mm-hmm. it's people calling in yeah people calling in for their support and like mm-hmm. tr- and tracy is like just barely behind yep uh once uh, upon Amber. a time you could call in to vote for things i remember doing that for cartoon network back in the day to vote for which uh show i wanted to be like they they had where you could call in and vote for like oh which do you want to have us play powerpuff girls do you want us to play 
Johnny Bravo? Do you want us <laughs> to do uh, this Hanna Barbera thing? Like it, it, they they did that up until that point. Up until uh, SMS texting became a thing, and then it was text in on your phone. Like whenever they have the joke about call now on your phones, that's what this was too. Messaging rates call. may apply. Yeah, you you call in, and I kind of miss when it was calling in because that was fun. Even though you'd be sitting there with a busy signal for about ten minutes. You you know what I miss? The days where live events were hosted on a cliff top, and people would have to send in their vote by carrier pigeon, and someone would just shout over the cliff, "Vote now for what you want!" And then you have people off to the side gathering carrier pigeons they'd have to unfold the scrolls and they'd be like <laughs> over there like chiseling in the tally you know i miss those days they were simpler times um <laughs> i wasn't saying that they were simpler times it was just you felt kind of a rush doing it like I, I, yeah the station like, cares i have the power yes it's it's I a fake sense my, of power my voice heard more of a fake sense of power than sms testing <laughs> and getting charges may apply mm. So, uh, yeah, Amber's song sucks and fuck her. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's that counterboard thingy. And so Tracy is just barely behind it. But they're like, well, you know, Tracy's a criminal, so we're not going to count her. And she's not here. And mm-hmm. so fuck her. But then Tracy's like, I am here. Mm-hmm. So fuck you. And she comes down with Link and uh, Son of Motormouth. And they sing and they dance. And she's joined by Penny, and uh, the four of them dance. And bitch producer Von Tussle tries to have them taken away, but some black kids come on stage and carry her away. Mm-hmm. And then all the black guys grab white girl partners, and they start to dance with them on stage. And the scene is a giant, wa- uh, giant rocking swirl action. <laughs> and then they all sing about how you can't stop the beat. You can't stop the beat. Ever since we first saw the light, a man and woman like to shake it on a Saturday night. So I'm gonna sh- shake and shimmy it with all of my might today. Cause you can't stop the beat. You can't stop the beat. Uh, and the crowd goes nuts for it. And then the scoreboard of people calling in for support for Tracy, it breaks. Like it's spinning so fast that it's smoking. Mm-hmm. And so they're just like, Tracy wins! And she's awarded the title of Miss Hairspray. But she doesn't want the flowers or the crown. She only wants a scholarship <laughs> in musical studies with a minor in sociology. Did I get that right? Uh, minor in ethnic studies. Minor in ethnic Musicology studies. Musicology with a minor in ethnic okay, studies. Okay, I knew it was something to do. The first one was yeah. music and the second one was something to do with that. And I don't remember what it was. You're so. fine, baby. It was a quick line. It was a quick line. And as we've established, my brain and ears are not connected and don't work. Uh, yeah. So that's all that she wants is a scholarship. And um, as the, then the ultra ass sponsor comes on to the show and he's all horny for money because he's decided that integration is okay because he can profit off of it. And he tells producer bitch that she's a genius for orchestrating this whole thing. And he gives her a raise and he makes her in charge of his new line of products for women of color. (laughs) And the producer racist bitch faints. Link then tells Tracy that he needs to kiss her because he's about to bust a nut on live television. And the two decide (laughs) to suck face. I mean, you're not wrong. That's pretty much what he says. Just (laughs) Oh, and Penny's mom comes in. 
to rescue her daughter from the scary black man that abducted her, but then she sees how happy her daughter is, and so she's fine with the swirl action. Mm Mm-hmm. You can see how it's a very much of a fantasy ending. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fantasy happy ending. It's the, it's the, if Warren had gone back in time and... (laughs) it's 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 if warren could go back in time and just shake racists until all the racist racism fell out of them i'm sure a centrifuge would work (laughs) well that separates the life from the meat oh (laughs) um so oh no and i do love uh von tussle when uh when mr ultra clutch comes on and he's like you're a genius i'm gonna give you a raise you're gonna have a car and an office and blah blah blah, and you're gonna be in charge of this and she's like all excited and then mm-hmm. she finds out that she'll be in charge of uh the, the hair the hair product line for colored for women of color and mm-hmm. then she just like stiffens up like a goat and faints yep <laughs> and she gets caught and then that's when he's like all right kids how about you sing you know our new theme song which it sounds like it's the you can't yeah. stop the beat yeah is the new theme song and uh the bitch producer is like if tracy came in through that front door then who is in the can and tracy's mom busts out of the can and shows off a dress that she made and she sings about how she's happy with how she looks and we get a continuation of you can't stop the beat and then we cut away, and we go back to Penny and Mrs. Not Motormouth. No, she is Motormouth. <laughs> Mrs. Mother of Son of Motormouth, <laughs> Jennifer Hudson, singing a duet <laughs> while there is an integrated dance scene in the back. And Kay tells me that the song that uh, Ariana Grande and Jennifer Hudson are singing was created specifically for this version? No, for the movie. Oh, for the movie. Yes. Wait, wait, what? So it's created for the movie, the 2007 movie, because this is the NBC Live. This version does not show up in the stage show, or this song. Oh. This song was created specifically for the movie. Why? We'll direct you to my earlier comment about (laughs) my brain and my ears. You're fine, baby. Not connected. It's all right. So yes, so this song was introduced in the movie, mm-hmm. and therefore it's in this version, but it's not in the original version. Correct. Yay. Look at me. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, it's, it's you know, it's a good song. And it's, it's... Now we've come so far, we have so far to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Kay. And it's good, and it doubles as a curtain call, because everyone comes up and bows and blows kisses to the camera. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And they show some of the behind the scenes on how they filmed all of this. Like, filming Tracy's bed, splitting off so that she goes She's from, already on the street. Yeah, she's yeah. already on the street and showing just how they did those transitions, which it's always just like, holy fucking shit, whenever they can do that live. It yeah. It always, it's, it's right, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I feel impressive. like people are sleeping on this one a bit, because, like, this was... It's this really was technically good. very good. It, tech, absolutely, <laughs> from a technical standpoint, the execution of it was immaculate. Mm-hmm. It was perfect, and mm-hmm. the, the talent involved in it is really, really good. Yep. Remind me the name of the dude that plays Edna. Harvey Firestein. I like him. Mm-hmm. I like him as an actor. 
I don't know how I feel about him as Edna because mm-hmm. now the question I guess I have to ask is it traditional for the person that plays Edna to have a gravelly voice and not be able to sing? I know um, that they're pl- it's played by a man. I mean Harvey Firestein originated the role for Broadway and that's what? how he originated it on Broadway. He originated on Broadway. So Divine was in the movie, but again, we haven't seen, like, the 1988 movie. Okay. But we haven't seen that version, and uh, that's, I feel that that one's a big enough departure that anything for the stage version is purely originated in the Broadway version of it, and so Harvey Firestein's performance of Edna is the traditional way to do it. Fuck me, Okay then my criticisms are not fair other than I don't think he can really sing. Yeah. And every part with him in it singing kind of feels out of place. Mm -hmm. I just, it doesn't, I don't know. It, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right to me. Mm -hmm. Like listening to it. I mean, he acts the part great. Mm -hmm. He does a great job, but just, because he's got a voice like this. And you're surrounded by all these amazing mm-hmm. singers. And then there's me. You can't stop the beat. Da, 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 da. Like, mm-hmm. it did really, it, it, it's really jarring. Yeah, and John Travolta doesn't do it that way. He sings pretty straight for John Travolta. That's, and the little bit that I've seen, I know he, he tries to feminize his voice. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, uh, from... and I think that part of it, too, is to keep it as a nod to Divine, being like, being like, no, this is a drag performance, is the reasoning behind Harvey Firestein's, is to kind because I would have to, because I saw the 1988 Hairspray, fuck, so long ago, like, I was in high school when I saw it. Um, and I want to say that Harvey Firestein modeled his Edna off of Divine's, but it's not 100% Divine's Edna. But again, I would have to rewatch the 1988 Hairspray to make that determination. I probably should have, but I didn't anticipate the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. I, uh, yeah, uh, but, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, um, overall... I was really impressed with this show. Like mm-hmm. they did such a good job on this mm-hmm. on this live stage version. And it just makes me angry because I'm just like, come on, come on, more pro shots, more mm-hmm. of these. Mm-hmm. Do more of these. Mm-hmm. I just I don't you know me. We've we've made this same rant so many times. Mm-hmm. But it keeps needing to be said. But it keeps needing to be said. And I really liked this version, and I feel like the 2007 version has a tough act to follow Mm -hmm. even if it you know did come first technically Mm -hmm. uh but yeah i feel like this this one this one is sitting pretty comfortably up there yeah so i'm i'm gonna be curious to see Mm -hmm. how the the john travolta movie compares yeah but uh Overall, I can see why you like this show so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the social messaging aside, mm-hmm. um, it's got good music. Yep. It's got funny music. Yep. It's catchy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's a good show. I can yeah. see why you like it. Woo! 
I'm glad. I'm glad. And I'm glad that you liked it. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Yeah. This is, again, it's one of my favorites. It's up there. So, yay. Yay. So, yeah, next week we will be seeing if John Travolta will steal the crown from Harvey Firestein or not. I mean, steal the wig? If, steal the wig from Harvey Firestein. If uh, Queen Latifah can outshine Jennifer Hudson. If... Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I know Queen Latifah can sing, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, Jennifer sorry. Hudson's really hard yeah. to follow because... It's, it's Jennifer mm. Hudson. Mm. Yeah. Are you kidding yeah. me? Can I tell you how excited I am for when we finally do Dreamgirls? She's in that one, too. When did... Wait, wait. Dreamgirls came out... Uh, uh... So, okay, sorry, my brain and me and musical things. Jennifer Hudson first got her start on American Idol, yes. right? Okay. Yes. Was she a winner? <sighs> no, 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 she wasn't. Because no, that's cause, the joke, is that yeah, the winners don't have careers. Yeah, because I didn't, I I watched some of that season, but again, doing theater that means that yeah. I don't stay home yeah. and watch TV. But, okay, but so she got her start mm-hmm. on, 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 uh, american idol mm-hmm. so was so dream girls i assume was after that yes was it like relatively it was pretty quickly? close okay. after that because okay. gosh i was i think it was when i was still in high school it's time is an illusion <laughs> to me and like when i realized that this was 2002 2003 like the original hairspray i grew a couple more gray hairs <laughs> <laughs> Because time's a fucking illusion. <sighs> oh, and I do want to give special props to, and I apologize that I can't remember her name, but the actress who played uh, Tracy. Mm-hmm. She also, like, I, I, yeah, it's not, I feel, I feel bad because, you know, you've got Ariana Grande and uh, in 2016, she was already like a pop star and like yeah. already a name that people knew and all that stuff. Yeah. And then you've got Jennifer Hudson, mm-hmm. but she was remarkable Mm -hmm. she was Mm -hmm. fantastic she was she is she is probably my favorite tracy she's really really good Mm -hmm. oh and there was the thing you had mentioned that in the uh uh welcome welcome to the 60s 60s bit Mm -hmm. they had two other tracys that were yeah they had the original on broadway and they had ricky lake from the 1988 version Mm -hmm. so yeah it was it was great seeing both of them it was like it's a nice nod yeah 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 but yeah so 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 yeah that was hairspray that was hairspray and i liked it and next week we will have the continuation of this head-to-head of hairspray versus heads hairspray headspray headspray i am tired the hair to hairspray hair to hairspray helmet head um it's it's two different cans of ultra clutch going and the real loser is the ozone layer (laughs) (laughs) oh it's okay Mm -hmm. oh wait jesus i was about to ask you (laughs) what next week's show was well warren next week (laughs) 2007 hairspray (laughs) 
it's tired in here. I don't know why my brain is firing on like half cylinders today. Because you were up with me while I was getting angrier and angrier at American Mm. Bandstand. Yeah, that's fair. And Buddy Dean's show. Oh, I liked Hairspray, but I don't like Hairspray, and I also don't like racism. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Segregation was bad. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm glad we don't have it anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. I won't tell you about that school in Mississippi. So anyway, what? I think there was a school that was functionally still, yeah, it was it was like 2005 or something that they finally what? actually, yeah. Yeah. Mhm. 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 Thank you so much for joining Kay and I on this episode of Tone Deaf, Theater Nerd's Guide for the Musical Challenge Spouse. If you'd like to reach out to Kay and myself, you can do so at our home base, which is ToneDeafMusical.com. There we have links to all of our social medias, our Twitters, our Facebooks, our Instagrams, as well as a link to the Cast Junkie Discord server where we have our own Not Safe for Work channel. Please feel free to drop in and say hi and talk about musical theater and also uh, how much you also dislike racism and agree that segregation was a bad idea. Um, If you have an opinion contrary to those, go fuck yourself. Uh... If you want to help out the show, you can do so by going to iTunes, Podchaser, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts and giving a five-star review. You can say anything you want. You can ask, what are you wearing? You can tell us what you're wearing. I'm wearing uh, the tank top that says world's okayest non-binary person. So there's that. I'm Uh, wearing a black shirt with the silver dragon on it and blue and uh, black checkered flannel pajama pants. I did not mention my pants. I don't know what my pants situation is right now. Um, They look stretchy. They are stretchy. They're stretchy pants. Um, Stretchy pants look good on your butt. Mm, Thank you. Um, If you want to help out the show, uh, go above and beyond with that. You can do so by going to our Patreon, which is Tone Deaf Musical. Um, You can also go to our Tee Public, where we have uh, t-shirts, hoodies, masks, all that fun stuff. Um... And yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for supporting us. That'll be it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone Tone Deaf. Deaf.